from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello, I'm Scott Bailey, a partner with Car Rigs and Ingram in our Raleigh, North Carolina office. I specialize in insurance with a focus in captive insurance, along with manufacturing and, uh, and construction. I'm here today to talk with Stephen Larady. Uh, Stephen, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm a partner in our uh, Nashville business unit. Um, I also specialize in insurance with a focus in alternative risk management, mainly uh, being captive insurance companies and risk retention groups. And I also uh, work with uh, distribution clients and employee benefit plans. Fantastic, fantastic. And what we want to talk about today is uh, to go through an overview or the basics of risk retention groups or RRGs. So just starting off with the basics there, what is a risk retention group? So a risk retention group is a type of captive insurance company where it's really a group of um, different uh, companies or insurers coming together uh, as a group to, to really purchase insurance um, and, and also self-insure insurance with, within a group, and there's several different ways that they can do that, but the, at the highest level, it's really just a, a band of different insurers coming together to either self-insure or um, purchase some kind of, of group insurance through the reinsurance market. So do these need to be similar types of companies or similar risks? Just, you know, what is it that makes these groups come together to express an interest in forming an, a risk retention group? So yes, in, in by, by definition under the, the Federal Risk Retention Liability Act, um, it, it does have to be similar insurers with a, a similar type of risk that they are covering. So usually what you see is, is say a, a group of taxi cab companies or a group of, of doctor's office that have a, a similar liability risk that they need coverage for being auto liability. Uh, medical malpractice, those are the two uh, most common. And there, there's others that it can be as, as, as well, but those are really the two that you see the most in risk retention groups. Gotcha, gotcha. So in forming an RRG, a risk retention group, we're talking about the formation of an insurance company for all intents and purposes, right? So in doing so, there's got to be some regulatory considerations. So I'm assuming these are registered, licensed by uh, departments of insurance. Could you uh, expand on that a little bit? Yes, they, they are. And so there's there's different, um, you know, well, let me start with risk retention groups have to be a uh, domestic insurance company. That being has to be located in, in uh, domicile within the United States. Um, and, um, you know, from that, you know, you have your, your pick of different domiciles that they can, you know, pick whether it be Vermont, Tennessee, you know, South Carolina, and there's a few other, uh, uh, North Carolina, uh, a few other uh, dominant domiciles as, as, as well. Um, but yeah, so they do have to go through the, the licensing uh, with the State Department of Insurance of the domicile that they choose. 
and they are ultimately regulated by that domicile. Now, what makes risk retention groups unique is that um, most insurance companies or most captives, once you're licensed by a domicile, you can only underwrite risk within that domicile, whereby the, uh, the Risk Retention Act allows them to essentially write that liability coverage within any of the uh, the domestic U.S. domiciles. Gotcha. So not only do you have to think about your filings in the state of domicile for the risk retention group, you've also got to think about activities and filings in all these other locations where where they're writing coverages. Is that you, you do, you do. And and that's a big thing on the reporting uh, side that's different between risk retention groups and other captives. Most captives, you only have to file your annual report with the state that you're domiciled in, and it's typically gonna be on a prescribed form by that state. Whereas risk retention groups have to file the same type of NAIC filings that a commercial carrier or a mutual insurance company would. And so the way that that typically works, um, you know, you're going to, again, fill out that, that general NAIC annual statement, quarterly statements, um, and then that will get sent to uh, both the NAIC and then every uh, state that that insurance company is writing coverage in. So that probably has some tax implications too, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it does, mostly from a standpoint of your premium taxes. And so uh, with insurance companies, they would be liable to pay premium taxes uh, to each state for all the direct coverage that they write within those states. But where that really gets hairy is that most states also have retaliatory tax uh, clauses. Well, it, that sounds kind of bad. But. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does, it does. But, but essentially, at a very high level, all that is is that, um, you know, say if, if, uh, if I'm Tennessee and, and Scott is North Carolina and say, and I'm making these numbers up, but say Tennessee's tax rate is 2%, and if I'm a Tennessee company writing in North Carolina, they're going to charge me 4%. And by Tennessee law, if it's a North Carolina company writing uh, coverage in Tennessee, we would typically only charge a 2%, which is our, our rate. But we're gonna say, well, if North Carolina is gonna charge us four, if we do business in their state, we're gonna make them pay four if they do business in our state too. And so really, it, it, the, the simplest form where you get to in a lot of cases, is going to be the highest rate of your domicile and the state you're writing in is, is going to be the, the, the tax rate that you ultimately have to pay. Gotcha, gotcha. What are some of the other regulatory filings that a risk retention group has to file in addition to what a normal, well, I say normal, what a traditional carrier insurer might have to write? Um, you know, from a, from a traditional carrier standpoint, I think a lot of the filings are going to be going to be similar or maybe file a little bit differently but where you get the differences at is really when you're comparing a risk retention group to the other alternative risk uh, uh, forms whether that be just a pure captive or, or a uh, protected cell uh, series captive they do not have to file that NAIC document and, and that's really where the, the crux of a lot of their reporting falls into there's just a lot more detail that goes into that there's uh, there's also certain risk-based capital uh, reporting that they have to do to the state of domicile and that that's basically just a way to see what what the minimum capital requirements are for that 
uh, risk retention group based on its size and, and the coverages that it is uh, it is writing. Uh, you know, there's some others as well. Like they're they're required in, in every domicile to do an annual audited financial statements, whereas you know other captives it, it's domicile by domicile. But a lot of them it, it could be optional optional depending on where they are domiciled at. Uh, they also are required to file the actuarial opinion, whereas a lot of the other uh, captive types uh, don't necessarily have to to file that. Right, right. So it sounds like in those regulatory filings, it's very similar, just with a little additional detail. So given that, when it comes to their audited financial statements, because I heard you mention that just a moment ago, do these follow the traditional statutory regulatory system, the model audit uh, methods of financial reporting? Do these follow generally accepted accounting principles or GAAP? How do, uh, so, how do these follow? So it can, it can be really either of the two, depending on the domicile it is located in and what the requirements are within those domiciles. But the vast majority of domiciles under their captive insurance laws will either allow or require risk retention groups to file their financial statements using generally accepted accounting principles, uh, which is different than from, your, from a normal uh, commercial uh, carrier or a mutual insurance company where they would be required to file under the statutory accounting basis. Now, the catch to that is, is even though the financial statements are filed on a GAAP basis, they are required to have a reconciliation for their capital and surplus and their, their net income from the GAAP basis to the, to the SAP basis. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff to note. Switching gears just a little bit. What are some of the unique characteristics that interested companies might have to have in order to come together? Are there, are there any specific ownership requirements to form one of these? Are there any regulations over who can or how to put a risk retention group together? So really with, with, with the thought of a risk retention group being a, a band of insurer, insurers coming together to, to self-insure or to, to, uh, to purchase insurance as a group, the the main requirement that is out there is that that every member or stockholder of a risk retention group is required to be insured by that group, and then vice versa. Anybody who is insured by the risk retention group must be an owner of that risk retention group. So it is purely the owners insuring themselves. Great, great. So. These really sound like an excellent alternative for like companies with like coverages to really start finding ways to leverage their risk management programs to find value through the use of a risk retention group through this risk sharing program. They sound like a really great option. What other uh, thoughts do you have on these? Well, as far as where they are a good option and, and not, where we see them being the uh, the most successful and really makes them a, a great tool is that you can be selective as to who you allow into your group. And then once they're in that group, the, the, the risk retention group can put different cost control measures in, in place, whether that is, you know, just looking at it from an auto liability standpoint with, with say, a trucking company, they can do different uh, you know, safety awareness classes or driver awareness classes at the uh, at the insured level, and um, you know you can really put some certain criteria. So, so companies that have 
large loss ratios or unfavorable loss history don't necessarily make it into the group. And so it really shines for those who, who have a good history of controlling their losses and have a, a good loss ratio to take that profitability out of the hands of the carriers and putting it within the group so that those members can share in their underwriting profits. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I hope we can find a way to help uh, some of our current clients and reach out to uh, future clients to find a way to offer these benefits to companies who are doing really well in their risk management efforts. And uh, any closing thoughts? Just, uh, you know, one thing I think that is, is important to know with the risk retention groups as well from, from a coverage uh, standpoint, I don't know that we hit on this earlier is that the the coverage must be written uh domestically so you cannot have you know say a risk retention group insurer liability insurance in the uk or any other you know uh, um, uh, non-us uh, domicile um, it also must be commercial liability insurance so you can't try to do this for property coverage workers comp or personal insurance. So it is, um, you do have a, a targeted group that really the risk retention groups are going after that being the, the liability uh, carriers. But, you know, I think anywhere um, that you, you see a hardening insurance market, like right now the auto liability is a huge one where companies are getting hammered, uh, would, would be a good uh, prospect for it. Excellent. Well, Stephen, thanks for your time today. And thank you to the listeners for uh, hearing our podcast on risk, risk retention groups. Thanks. Thank you. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. 